Hi, I'm Phil Ranta, the host of NFT Stories Podcast. Every week we tell another story from this multi-billion dollar market alongside the artists, collectors, companies, and entrepreneurs that are making it all happen. The date was December 7th, 2021. Twas the holiday season, a time of holiday cheer, and gamers were waiting to see if a PS5 will ever be back in stock in Santa's workshop again. On this cool December morning at 9 a.m., Ubisoft, one of the world's largest gaming companies, posted an announcement on a popular gaming blog IGN titled, Ubisoft Announces Quartz, a blockchain-powered NFT cosmetics system. Now, I'm a gamer to the core, starting by playing my parents' Atari 2600 when I was three, and then moving through every generation of systems up through my beloved Switch, which is what you play when you have babies and have to put down the system at a moment's notice. So I heard about this announcement immediately, but not in the way you may think. Around 9.02 a.m., I was on Twitter when I started seeing a lot of choice words from my gaming peers, words like sellout, ruining the environment, scam, ghost recon is canceled, and so forth. So I immediately read the article, and what I read made sense. Cosmetic items have been huge for years in online gaming. Hell, Fortnite makes billions of dollars a year selling Batman costumes and skeleton suits. And Ghost Recon was going to do the same, but after 600 hours of gameplay, you get a special helmet, and then you can sell and trade cosmetic digits, which is what they call NFTs, once you get them. They have different features and rarities. Quartz is built on an energy-efficient blockchain, specifically Tezos, which is one of the cleanest out there. And I repeat, it's purely cosmetic. So now gamers have a chance to play their favorite game, and maybe someone would pay them a little bit for it. And scarcity is increased by allowing each player to only own one of each type of digit. But their reaction was intense. You're killing the environment. You're going to bring a bunch of scammers into the game. You're going to make the game impossible unless you pay. It's a money grab. You're ruining gaming. By 11.11 a.m., Ubisoft posted that they heard the community and they were going to think hard about their future plans. Two hours and 11 minutes after the post. Square Enix followed on January 1st, 2022, where a letter from the president announced an exploration into NFTs. Huge backlash, radio silence on NFTs. And a slew of games and gaming companies were dragged similarly in the past six months. After tweeting my support for a gaming company I liked a lot, who announced a purely cosmetic NFT, I got multiple threats and lost thousands thousands of followers. The conclusion? Gamers hate NFTs. But why? They buy DLC or downloadable content. A lot of it. And this isn't that different, right? It just allows you to actually sell your DLC when you're done with it. What am I missing? So I decided to talk to one of the smartest guys I know in blockchain gaming. Elliot Wayneman, CEO of Superfarm. Superfarm is a token, an NFT marketplace, a gaming SDK, a game developer, and Elliot's a YouTube celebrity who goes by the name Elio Trades. 
He started talking to me about NFTs in January 2021, when I still only knew them as blockchain collectibles. He's also the first guy who ever told me about farming, DAOs, and lots of other now ubiquitous terms. In other words, he knows where things are going. So there's no better person to hear more about what the industry may be missing when it comes to gamers. A few terms are going to be thrown around that may be confusing. UIUX means user interface and user experience. So when you hear that, think of how people experience a piece of software or a game based on what they see, read, and how everything interacts together. We talk about play to earn, which is a type of game where players can earn monetary and non-monetary digital items in the game. And we use the term custodial wallet, which is just a digital wallet, just like a physical wallet, but it holds digital currency and items for one specific game or platform. Whereas a non-custodial wallet holds digital items that can be used across many platforms and therefore has a lot more security and regulations. As a side note, this interview was recorded in January 2022, but the information is still relevant. Enjoy, or if you're a gamer, enjoy if you can. Elliot Wayneman, Elio Trades, how are you doing? Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, so we're talking today about the gamer backlash. There was uh, Ubisoft announced an NFT project, total backlash. Square Enix even mentioned it inside of one of their CEO letters, total backlash. I know that you've been working at this intersection of gaming and crypto and blockchain. So do you think that it's publishers that screwed up are gamers missing something or is it a little bit of both straight straight into the meat of this no no dinner <laughs> no no jokes no cocktails right. straight to the we, meat we here. can totally do we'll do dinner and cocktails while we're doing okay it, okay know? it sounds sounds great um yeah look tldr here is total lack of understanding it's really basic. Um, and then if you really want me to peel back the layers, I'd go a step further and say that gamers hate everything that's new. Um, and then they love it, right? They hated microtransactions. They still hate it. Guess what runs the entire industry? Sure. Microtransactions and free-to-play games. Uh, and they said they hated that. But now you ask the real gamers and they say, ooh, if, unless it's a free game, chances are the developer isn't really that confident. You know, if you really want to get that big first weekend payday and, and recoup all your money, chances are you're not really sure that anyone's going to be playing this in a month. Because uh, if you're really confident, you'll go the the Apex Legends Fort, Fortnite route and you'll just put your game out for free and let people pay you billions of dollars a month. But if you're not confident, you make it a paid release. So now it's kind of like a, a, almost a signal for real gamers that of low quality if it's not a free to play game because uh, the developer might not even be that confident. Uh, in the quality of the game. Um, that's not a, a hard and fast rule, but I think if you look back at the last year, what's what's been free versus what's paid, you, you see a pretty uh, a pretty clear quality difference, at least, or at least in the multiplayer stuff. Um, so right. I think, you know, general people don't like what they don't understand, uh, but there's a perception as well uh, that everything when you add NFTs becomes pay to win. Uh, everything becomes, uh, you know, financialized in a, in a, in a bad way. Um, and I think that, you know, if you were to really help gamers understand that they already have NFTs, they just don't own them. Right. Uh, that would be a big opening, uh, eye-opening uh, experience. 
Uh, luckily, I've been yeah. I've had the fortunate uh, uh, good luck to be connected with some of the biggest thought leaders in the sort of gaming content creation uh, arena, and they are all so excited uh, by this new uh, this new world. Uh, and so you can look for a lot of uh, a lot of growth of understanding, and I think it's just pure lack of understanding, right? You have a couple of people who assume that because you add NFTs, it's going to completely ruin something magical about games today. Um, and it's just not true, right? Like if, if, if all that happened was your Fortnite skins were in your wallet, that would be great for, for gamers. And in theory, uh, if Fortnite closed its doors one day, someone could decide, Hey, we want to build something and, and, and give those tokens in your wallet meaning again. And so, um, there's nothing negative, nothing gets taken away, uh, by the NFT, uh, if something gets added. Uh, and it's very user friendly. And the more that, uh, gamers understand that it'll, it'll be very funny, right? It'll be like, um, It'll it'll be like one of those stigmas that we look back and just laugh about. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, the I think the Fortnite is a perfect example, right? Doing what a, over a billion dollars a year, essentially just in skins. Nobody owns them. You can't sell them back. I've got season one skins that I'm sure have value because I was playing Fortnite back then. I just can't do anything with that value, right? And I stopped playing the game uh, a year and a half ago, not because I didn't like the game. I ran out of time. I had kids, right? So. I, but I think that a lot of gamers, where I think that they might have a little bit of a point in terms of caution, is that a lot of um, play-to-earn gamers will sometimes ruin a little bit of the sanctity of PvP games, right? If, if the incentives are to make money rather than to be good, then you get more bots and you get more trolls and like people play the game in the wrong way do you think that like people are going to there's going to be the play to earn games then there's going to be the other games do you think that those worlds are going to combine where do you think the future of that is yeah so like there's going to be and that's and it's the beauty right you look at world of warcraft there's already it's already a bot fest people already been making yep. money off the game for 20 years and it's still the best game out there for MMOs. And so um, even though, you know, recently things have apparently been been going downhill, I don't actually have a ton of context there because I don't play well. Um, but the reality is, is that there's, there's, you know, business as usual, more tools for the users. And so the way I see it is uh, there will be everything from stuff that is purely economic, has absolutely like no sort of intrinsic value to stuff that is almost not at all economic, uh, that people just, you know, just like your sneakers, maybe people want a, a nicer pair, but it's not required to enjoy the experience. Uh, we call this play and earn, right? And that's what the future is going to be. It's playing your games, having an extra layer of rewards for, for doing that. We all know that these games are made more valuable by the players. And we know that the users being there and playing has value. Um, and so there's absolutely no question uh, that there should be value shared with the users. And that's what the Web3 component is all about. And so, you know, uh, what, what, it, what form it takes will most certainly have all kinds of, of de facto realities. You're going to have games that are purely uh, economically driven, purely botted. Um, there's, no, there's no real person playing it. It's just a bunch of, of uh, essentially like uh, economic layers where you're deploying money, getting yield, redeploying, and, um, and maybe it's all done by bots. You're going to have other games. Um, and, 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 and you can think of that as kind of like decentralized finance or crypto you know, the dirty word that is crypto wrapped up in just a pretty interface. Right. And so it'll be like crypto with a different UI. Um, I believe that games kind of on a, on a meta level 
fulfill our human needs in a lot of unique ways. Um, and my first startup I ever worked at was an educational gaming company where we were making a version of Candy Crush that taught you languages as you played it. Uh, so I'm a big, I'm very long on games to get people and humans to do things that are good for them um, that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise done. Uh, and I see that games, you know, as, as as an innovation, games are starting to consume all sorts of industries, social, fitness, um, maybe even, you know, finance is what we're seeing. And so uh, games are very, very generic. They're very powerful and, and gamification in general is something that I see kind of coming uh, to the internet as a whole. And, and, uh, and yes, some of this stuff will be uh, absolutely the worst of the worst, uh, you know, race to the bottom uh, financialization. Uh, and some of it, uh, I believe the vast majority of it that actually users uh, flock to will be stuff that's really good for users. And so, um, you know, I don't see why participating in the economic engine uh, can be seen as bad. I get fear of the unknown, but the reality is, is uh, some of these games are going to do it right. The ones that don't do it right are going to get passed over. Uh, and and we'll see, you know, the next five years will be very, 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 very interesting. Um, but the stigma, I literally like got off the, the phone with a couple of uh, very, very famous uh, gamers uh, over the last week. And we're all just laughing about how early it is that people would see yeah. ownership uh, in these games and these ecosystems is bad. It's just hilarious. Well, it is funny because when you see the complaints, I, I naturally me be sitting where I do in the industry, I would sit on the Twitter threads and read every single complaint and say, where is this coming from? And a lot of it was speculative. They were talking about the future. They were saying, well, maybe it's going to be on a chain that will hurt the environment. Maybe the ecosystem is going to be this. Maybe I won't be able to get a weapon that I want because somebody else paid $10. So it's maybe, 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 maybe. But actually, DLC has kind of been that all along, right? At what point in an EA game am I going to hit a stopping point and it's going to say, you want to play this cool mission, you have to pay me $10. I think that's what offended people so much. So what what in the future are people, is all DLC just going to become NFTs and then people mm-hmm. will be mad at it the same way they're mad at DLC right now? Yeah, you know, like I, I, I think, first of all, people love to be mad. Just people love to be mad, sure. right? And so, and new things on the internet, certainly, yeah, yeah. And new things give people the chance <laughs> to be mad. Content creators love to find something to to just fight against too. It's really good content when you have an enemy, right? Um, and yeah. so, I just think this is just easy. This is easy content for people is is to kind of get people all riled up about the unknown. Um, and it's never as bad as you think it is. And uh, and what I do love personally as a game developer, we're about to release a, a an immersive Unreal Engine game. Uh, with NFTs mm-hmm. uh, and play to earn. I love that the big AAA studios are staying away from this for now. So, you know, this is great. We can build global user bases now while, while you guys are scared about what, what goes on in your Twitter feed. When if in reality, if you had had the courage to push forward and give a good product to the users, that word of mouth would travel, right? And you, you would overcome this the stain of PR, which, which I guess they're all so worried about, this cancelable game which come on, like, um, you know, what is that? What do you mean? And so uh, I, I think it would be a very, very bold move. But it's a, for me as a developer, it's a beautiful thing because the AAA studios are giving us even more time to get set up. Um, and look at Axie Infinity, which we can talk about, you know, as simple as sure. it might be or as it might look, their Dow Treasury now has hundreds of millions of dollars in it. They could buy a AAA studio, right? They could buy, sure. uh, you know, like a uh, some some major developer. And all of a sudden, oh, you didn't like their gameplay before. Now it's now it's incredible. And they have this huge, robust economy. So uh, things can get leapfrogged really fast. Uh, when you start adding that much money into the picture, 
Uh, and this is not small potatoes. We're talking hundreds of millions and billions of dollars, uh, not just in market cap, but in, in spendable funds. Uh, and so the, the, the world moves fast and crypto, the reason why it moves so fast is because there's just so much, um, so much funding. And so I see it as a feature, not a bug, uh, all this excess funding in crypto. I know that a lot of people get wrecked when prices go down and get rich when they go up, uh, but it's part of this sort of uh, hyper hyper digitalization, right? And it's part of the economic. It's it's an engine that uh, kind of has this. It's as the more money comes in, the faster things go. The faster things go, the more money comes in. It's it's an interesting cycle, um, and I would never bet against the future. I would never bet against something that's um, that's net positive for users. So it's uh, oh, yeah. it's really hard the world to see only any turns other, in one direction. It, it's yeah, really hard to bet. see any other outcome, <laughs> and and I'm I, I love hearing debates on it. But you know, if the debates are um, sort of one dimensional, like you're assuming the way the game's going to look, or you're assuming that it's going to be bad for the environment or assuming things that are pretty easily avoided, then it's like, okay, well, well then let's just not do that. <laughs> you know, let's just not right. do that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you're really talking about is the kind of circle of companies life, right? Like company becomes big, startups can be a little more daring. So then they become big and take the place. And that's kind of the, like Tesla, right? Comes back, uh, messes with the auto industry is able to leapfrog and then there's going to be the next Tesla when Tesla gets old. Right. So, yep. but if you are a major game studio and you are at the mercy of your shareholders, right. Mm -hmm. And as the CEO, you could get kicked out. Should they stay away from saying anything NFT? Like even if they're working on it, should they like keep it quiet until it launches? Like if you were to put on your, I work at a billion dollar publicly traded company hat, is are they is it suicide right now to put it out or are they just missing the right message yeah i guess as 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 someone who works at a billion dollar non-publicly traded but semi-publicly traded <laughs> depending on how you look sure. at it right i don't have to answer to shareholders um but in some ways i i answer more directly to community members um i i think that you know your your duty is to do its best for the users right uh, i'm sort of just really simple that way. I think your duty is to do what's best for the for the users. And that is what's best for the shareholders. Um, in the end, these like, I, I have I have a philosophy that open systems will be closed systems. And so, um, you know, the world is really desperate for a high quality blockchain game. And the people who fulfill that need first will be have a have a generational opportunity on their hands. Uh, because, you know, if say, say, I'm a, an 18 year old, and I'm a, I'm a big gamer. The first game that I really get into and I build the economy there, I'll probably have some loyalty there. I'll probably have some roots there. And it probably will make me want to give them chances to upgrade, change, and evolve more than jump ship. And so, yeah, I would say that it would be very, very wise uh, for any of these game studios to ship something. Um, I don't think talking about it matters. I think talking about it pollutes the well. Um, I'd say just ship something, right? Don't even tell people it's crypto, just ship something. And then if they want to learn about it, maybe they learn that they're accumulating assets on in a wallet. But I don't think you need to slam people over the head with it, right? It's just like, just add the value for users. That's simple, right? Like if I was, if I was a CEO yeah. of one of these companies, I just add the value and I try to obfuscate it as much as possible so that you don't need any technical background or any knowledge ab about crypto you just are getting the benefits, right? It's just, oh, yeah. that skin is actually, did you know, you know, <laughs> did you know? And then, uh, right. and you might even not even have it in the game, but maybe there's an information site where, you know, if you're so motivated, you can go see these things you're accruing and you don't ever have to touch it, right? Don't ever have to touch it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is cosmetic only. 
Uh, just nothing with stat bonuses that affects the core gameplay. If you're going to have economic layers to the game, um, keep those outside of core gameplay. Uh, like for example, you know, we have a couple of sort of subsystems. I'm going to use that term because we haven't quite revealed this stuff about our game yet. We have a couple of subsystems um, that are not really active in core gameplay, but allow for the crypto layers to thrive, the economic layers to thrive on in their own way. And it does not if anyone wants to just come in and play the game, they can have just as good a time as anyone else and just as high a chance of winning. And so I think that those are the those are the sort of like the core rules of the road. As long as it's not pay to win and as long as the uh, the items are just cosmetic, like, you know, it, it's fine. If someone wants to come into the game with a Rolex, like they can come into the game with a Rolex or they can come in with their with their Adidas on and and uh, or their Keds. I don't know what, what's, what's the most affordable shoe on the market today. They're Skechers and, uh, and it's fine. Right. And it's less generic brand. Yeah. Am I outing myself as, as, as a crypto, <laughs> uh, uh, Illuminati elitist? I don't know. I'm wearing <laughs> no, target. I'm fine. wearing a target shirt guys. I don't... <laughs> there we go. Uh, you keep saying over and over again that it's kind of a UI UX issue, right? Because people don't like to feel dumb. A lot of people aren't living crypto and NFTs day to day like you are, right? So a lot of people hear this and they're scared. They don't have time to research it. So they're just hearing what Twitter says and they're kind of repeating those things. So the idea, the difference between a custodial wallet and a login is pretty small, reasonably, right? It's kind of when you have to do KYC, you have to export the NFT, you bring it to a marketplace. That's when it starts to get a little trickier. So is there a universe right now where a lot of people just start introducing this gently by saying, look, you bought a skin. If you can resell it in the future, you just have to like do these extra steps. But for now, it's just hang out in your wallet. Kind of like Blanco's Block Party, right? You buy in fiat. It's just your character and you can play with your character and you don't really need to know what's an NFT. Yeah. And I think you could go a step further and even just completely have the NFT layer outside the game, right? Like if you want to just enjoy your game, and not be bothered, not know about it, then you should just have a gaming experience that doesn't ever have the word NFT or anything like that. Um, you know, the way we're approaching it, I'll just share with you. Uh, there's a there's a, a website where you can associate your Ethereum wallet with your account. Uh, it's totally outside the game. Um, and if you do that, the items that you've acquired on the NFT side of things will appear in the game. Um, there will, you know, be a way for you to then, uh, claim items, uh, that you've bought in the game as NFTs outside of the game as well, but you're not prompted to do that or forced to do that, uh, in, inside the game. And so we keep the sort of, uh, the gameplay experience completely separate, but if you're so motivated, you're so welcome to, uh, to go ahead and, and get into that layer. And we know that the people who buy the NFTs and want to speculate, um, on the future of, of the ecosystem are probably not the same core people as the people who might be playing and grinding the game. Um, and so allowing for people to sort of be a la carte, I think is the way to go. Um, and I think it's also, like you said, a UI thing where it's like, just, just hide, hide the mean, hide the bad words, uh, from, from their gentle eyes, um, until they find out one day that, oh no, that thing in my, cause imagine you're playing a game, same game you always play. And then a month later, you find out you have 50 bucks in that game, 100 bucks in that game, something small, 10 bucks in that game. That's a good moment, right? And so like, that's, it's that moment that I think you need to build people up to, right? Where they realize that they're getting what they want out of the game and a bonus. And so uh, how do you get people there, right? Because clearly the conversation is very toxic, right? And I think that's a big, like, maybe that's more of a meta topic. Like, how do we get out of like theoreticals and theoretic kind of like 
banter on on social media yeah, or like it's hard. away from yeah. these these very scary ideas and into like okay here's what's actually here's what it looks like you know um and i think that that's the gap uh for gaming right now is that there's not enough products in market for people to say hey look they did a great job go try it yourself um and and i think you know seeing is believing right once once you play a good game and someone goes did you know that's an nft you know it's like that that moment is going to be very powerful and so uh if i was you know, if I had the unlimited budget um, to do this, I would absolutely be acquiring, you know, one of the more economically driven games like a like a, a Clash of Clans or an EverQuest or an EVE Online or a World of Warcraft. Um, and then the other thing is just a question of like, okay, if you're going to build a gameplay first game, it should be better than the other games on Twitch, right? It, it, that's just really, just build it build it for the gameplay. And I think that's the biggest thing is you're seeing a lot of people rush stuff in the market, especially since Axie. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these projects I've seen started after Axie and they're like, we're a play to earn metaverse, blah, 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 immersive, cross chain, all the buzzword salad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, when do you start your project? They're like, July. And I'm like, you can't build a game in two months, you know, like you just can't, you just cannot, you know, you talk to all the best studios and they're like 24 months is aggressive, right. For a good game. Um, and so I'm not saying it's impossible. There are casual games, but casual games have high churn and, and, and low long-term, uh, usage. You want a game that has long-term, uh, player bases because that's what allows for your NFTs to hold and grow value in the future in theory. Right. So, um, you know, a game like a Fortnite or something is kind of like the Holy grail, uh, because the items themselves are what people want. People just want to wear that outfit, right? They care about wearing that outfit in the environment. And that is the intrinsic value that we've all been chasing. Everybody says, well, crypto is not used for anything. And I said, well, why don't we apply this ownership concept to the only industry in the whole world where people want to own digital stuff? Like it's to me, it stands so far apart, the gaming industry than any other industry uh, in the world. Um, And yes, we're now seeing like the flex item, all the celebs buying Mm -hmm. board apes, uh, stuff like that. I'm stoked to have a bunch of apes. Great. Um, You know, pump, pump the bags. But at the same time, like, that is not a, you know, that's not what I see as really, that's a new behavior, right? That's new behavior, new user activity, right. new demand for a new kind of thing that's very, very burgeoning and, and, and under, underdeveloped. We know that there's $100 billion of people buying clothes in video games because they just want to see the blue shiny thing as they run around. Right. And that is powerful. And I think that that's the user behavior that, that we, everyone should just be looking at and saying, cool, let's just try to give people ownership. Um, and then play to earn is still very much so, uh, big question marks as to like how that really works at scale. Right. Cause if, if your business model is emitting a, a, uh, a, an asset, then in theory over time, the value of that asset should go down. Right. Um, if it's, tra- right. if it's publicly tradable, right. So it's very difficult to control asset prices sustainably. This is a big, a big question mark. Um, but if Fortnite just gave you ownership over your skins and after selling, you know, and you knew that after they sold x amount or for x days or whatever the whatever the constraint was then you own that item and they won't bring it back to market i think that that's really where you see uh the new generation start to understand and go oh this is great this is great and so um yeah uh seeing is believing uh the game the game model is uh, that i see as disruptive is play and earn and games should really be trying to be the best in their category just like any other game. Um, and then the crypto becomes a big positive. Uh, luckily for my project, we started working on this way before the play to earn thing popped off. Uh, we started working on our game in early 2020. And uh, we believed we could build a much better version of Among Us, which is a pretty simple game. 
Um, and so, you know, we thought we had a very achievable goal and we believe that the game that we have coming out is more fun. And so in the end, the goal is, hey, look, if people are going to play Among Us or Social Deduction, we believe we give them what they want better. Uh, then we add the ability that you could earn stuff within the game, play and earn. Yes. And so we think that that achieves the the real goal. Um, but we're just one version. We're one experiment in the, in the sea here. And and uh, But we think that as you start to see products that are like actually built for the gameplay, you know, they didn't just start with, you know, the sort of crypto layer. We think that those will have some really interesting results over the next few uh, next few years. I love it. And if people want to learn more about Super Farm and the game you're building, where should they go? Uh, you should follow me on Twitter at Elio Trades. Uh, that's a good place. You could also follow Super Farm Dow on Twitter, Super Farm D-A-O. Um, both of those are, are great resources. And from my uh, Twitter, you can find my YouTube there in the link. Uh, we'll be making a lot of noise about that rollout very soon. I love it. Elliot, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, man. And best of luck with your game launch. Thank you, man. Uh, and thank you for having me on. Congrats on this awesome radio show. Thank you, everybody. This episode of NFT Stories Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Phil Ranta. Theme music is by Mike Constantini, and we're made possible by our friends at We Are Verified. This episode has now officially been minted. See you at the next drop.